0: Hello, Ash. Happy Monday morning. Um, I'm. It's suddenly September, um, so I'm hoping you have had a wonderful weekend. And um, can't believe it's already September. There's there's only three, only a few months left of the year. <laughs>
1: Yeah, August flew by for us uh pretty quickly because we spent three of those weeks in Japan uh visiting relatives and friends and in, in a few awesome. different cities. So yeah, it's it's been a while. Uh I had my uh best intentions, Carrie, of uh <laughs> doing some recording from Japan <laughs> while I was there and uh then I just went AWOL uh you Know we had we hadn't been back in, in five years. Oh my goodness, yeah, thanks to the pandemic. Uh, you know, there were a couple of years before the pandemic where our, our daughter was just uh too young to make traveling uh fun, <laughs> so we <our>, uh, are <laughs> that is our, a thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we took her when she was one uh back uh over there, and it was uh maybe not our favorite vacation. Um, <laughs> thankfully, we did it because little did we know that you know when yeah. we scheduled a trip for april of 2020 that that was not going to <laughs> not work going out. to
0: happen <laughs> wow 2020 feels like so long ago
1: oh it's uh yeah i think ever since i i just i have a hard time telling the years apart since the pandemic began um and sometimes it feels like it's been five years and sometimes it's one but in my mind but I, either way it was really nice to uh be there and now we've been back in the u.s for a few days and um kind of slowly getting into the uh, the time zone <laughs> uh,
0: I I, I, it, I should have realized because when we when I originally started looking okay what well what would be a time where we could record together and I knew the time difference was large and somehow it didn't actually trigger into me like it was like that large um, to, to where it's like, by the time I was waking up and thinking about it, you were thinking about, um, going to bed or, or your evening. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Um, I can only imagine what it's like coming back and, and, or getting there first off and then trying to sync to the time. Cause, and then coming back and resynchronizing, um, six hours is hard for me more than that. Ouch.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, I I've had, my fair share of experience trying to sync those time zones for all sorts of different reasons, both personal and professional. Uh, so this time, for example, um, when I was there roughly about half of the three weeks I was there, um, I was, I was working and there would be some standing meetings I had, which, you know, if they're like one-on-ones or something, I can move them around a bit. So Mm -hmm. I basically just blocked off, uh, midnight to 6:30 AM <laughs> Japan time. And then kind of started moving meetings around to a place where it'd still be within the, the working day for the folks I would normally meet with. And, mm-hmm. you know, so what that would mean is, uh, there was a chunk of time and I don't remember exactly how this worked out. So East coast and West coast, they were both different, but there was a chunk of time, uh, where us say between 10 PM and midnight, that worked for one of those time zones. And then there would be a chunk of time from, call it, you know, 6.30 to uh, 7.30 or 8 a.m. that worked out for the other time zone. So um, that wor- that ended up working out pretty well. The time that I was on about to go on paternity leave and, and working remotely from Japan, uh, you know, almost seven years ago now, um, that was a little different because there was a lot of... Uh, standing meetings where it would just be like, Hey, this is happening at 3 a.m. And I really need to be there. So just kind of set an alarm for
0: 2 45,
1: get up, do the meeting and then uh, crash. (laughs) And
0: then hope you can go back to bed. Um, I don't know about you, but like, I mean, I would literally have a quarter of a brain cell for that meeting.
1: (laughs) I can supply a.m. in the morning. I can surprisingly rally for, for these things uh, (laughs) when I, when I need to. Um, Yeah. And, but yeah, it's a, Luckily, this time I didn't really need to do that, but once uh, and uh, that once <laughs> was uh, something I really wanted to be there for. So mm-hmm. it, it was pretty I, I think I might have just stayed up and did did the meeting at 2 a.m. and then went to <laughs> bed after that.
0: And then hopefully you were able to have a nice, nice long sleep free of the the worry of inter- interrupting one's sleep.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, we're, we're super excited to be back in New York uh, and uh, can't wait to just kind of like get a little bit more settled into things. Although, um, you know, my uh, my team at Nylas has a lot of stuff going on in the next uh, couple, <laughs> so of, couple of weeks. Settled in quotes, right? <laughs> yeah, in quotes, because uh, there's uh, some, you know, some stuff that we'll be doing in, in Austin, Texas, followed immediately by uh, sponsoring API days in, in London. And then potentially another thing I won't mention, because it's not entirely a uh, certain that we're doing it yet but if we do that there will be another time zone involved yeah Yeah.
0: oh my goodness yeah oh my goodness yeah settled in september um kind of the same thing um here there's there's we're gearing up for adobe max which is in october 10 through 12 um in los angeles um so getting all the content and figuring out what we're going to do there um we had a previous session um that was it the last one no it was a co- it was episode nine i think i'm I probably get getting that wrong where we talked about express add-ons adobe express add-ons and adobe express is definitely going to be a theme at adobe max um so excited to get over there and and share some things about um add-ons and be part of the 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 on-site uh flow we'll have a session and things like that but um and a, a central pavilion where you know all of the vendors and and partners and things hang out. So that'll be super super exciting. Um, but um, that means the, a lot of stuff to come up with in September. And so it's like it's not that far away.
1: <laughs> yeah, that always flies by, and yeah, it makes me feel a little nostalgic since uh, you and I were heavily involved in a, yes. a similar motion at Adobe Max. Uh, what? Well, geez, was that? maybe 2017 or 2018 with the rollout. It um, would
0: have been 20. I think it was 2018
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, with Adobe XD, the first round of extensibility. Um, so the first bit of plugins that we did in there, um, man, it's been a that feels like forever ago, <laughs> but it was so much fun.
1: Yeah, it's, it's super cool. And, um, you know, I think one of the things that could potentially maybe be a future topic that we talk about uh, just before the show, we were, we were talking a little bit about like, you know, when you're at a conference and you want to uh, guide developers or like give them a brief workshop, say in the booth, for example, like often mm-hmm. if you're sponsoring something, you'll you'll have a booth where maybe you have some, uh, you know, an opportunity to do stuff with developers that uh, you know, hopefully can go beyond like giving them a sticker. I'm all for stickers, <laughs> I guess, but like, I think it's more fun. You run fun out of real
0: estate real quick. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I want to, I, I always want to go a little bit more like into like, can can we get hands on with some code? And um, one of the, one of the challenges can be that like, you know, well, if you're going to be having a bunch of, you know, potentially hundreds of developers walking by and touching a laptop, you probably don't, it shouldn't be like one of your working machines for, both, uh sanitary reasons and uh security reasons
0: just a tad <laughs> so
1: yeah exactly so, concept <laughs> that means that it, there's like a there's this setting up of essentially like a kiosk computer for lack of a better term that you need to do and um, that's something we were running into when uh, back about a month ago as we record a little over a month ago um we had sponsored we are developers World Congress in Berlin. And our intention was to uh, kind of like have a couple of uh, MacBook Airs as kiosk computers and run a, like a small a small demo environment. Mm-hmm. We had an IT snafu where that didn't quite end up working. Oh out. no! And it was okay because uh, we we found ways around it. Uh, kind of you know again just s- encouraging developers to like pair program with us on their own machines. Luckily at a tech conference, like everyone's going to have their laptop for the most this part, is true, anyways. Yeah uh not ideal but it worked fine um but as we were ideating uh on okay great how do we how do we make it simpler to do the setup on the kiosk machines instead of like you can imagine right uh in a world where if you're doing event sponsorships then chances are maybe you have like some dedicated kiosk machines or like in our case uh our IT team at Nihilus had, had sent a couple of uh, MacBook Airs and then it's like, now you've got to think through like, what are all the different things I might need here? Um, for example, do I need to download the Xcode developer tools? Because some of the command line things won't be installed by default right. that I might expect. Do, am I going to need VS code? What else do I need to put on the machine? And um, one of the things that we started thinking about was there is this world of uh, you know having more of a thin client that could work out very well for this kind of uh, environment, and I, I kind of kick myself for not having had this realization sooner. Because I'm sure that we did an episode sometime in the last year about using GitHub Code Spaces as a way to set up a full fledged developer web development. Environment on your iPad. Yes. And that's something that I was all in on for a while and really just wanted to be able to take the iPad and go, you know, have a quick coffee and still be able to like code stuff. And it was all right there in Safari and I could just do it. Uh-huh. Well, um, why not apply that same thinking to, to a, a kiosk computer? Yeah. So no downloads necessary, like no, no sort of initial like local downloads as long as you've got Safari and you can or, or, whatever your browser is. And you can log into to GitHub, probably a uh, not your own account, uh, but we'll, we would have like a- <laughs> Testing account. Sort of a, a test, a DevRel account for Nihilus. DevRel and, account, uh, yes, there you go. Exactly. And then we would all just kind of, basically the way that would work, right, is if we already have all of our samples stored on GitHub. So then you can go into each one of those repos and spin up a GitHub code space Go ahead and do all the NPM installs for the ones that you know you're going to be doing in advance. And um, when you want to let somebody kind of play around with that live, all of that's right there. Uh, It's fully, for as far as I can tell, close to full VS Code. And it's all just like running in the browser.
0: Which is super impressive. I I, I guess, I mean, it shouldn't surprise me that it can work in the browser, given that VS Code is basically... Sitting in a in in a web view when you install it locally, um, which is still hard. Like the amount of optimization they put into that is amazing. But um, then having like something like GitHub Code Spaces does start to simplify that process because now I do need is just the web browser. Because like when we're thinking about some of the machines for Adobe Express, is well, what software do you have to have installed? Um, what version of Node, what version of V, I mean, VS Code, you can always put the latest, but what version of Node, NPM, making sure that's set up. You have to have your local, like, CLIs and things like that. Um, and, um, you may or may not be encountering a machine that that is easy to install on. You could, you know, Chromebooks or, um, various forms of other devices and code spaces. If you have a mouse and a keyboard, that feels like a more than reasonable way to, to set things up without stressing about it.
1: (laughs) For sure. And I think that, you know, one of the obvious potential downfalls here is that, well, okay, what if conference Wi-Fi isn't that great? But of course, the thing is, like if we're there to show developers REST APIs and uh, like we are definitely going to be there to show developers REST APIs at the Mm -hmm. core. And even if you're at Mac's, right, doing Mm -hmm. Adobe Express stuff, well, that's still all in the cloud. Even if yep. I, you know, again, maybe it doesn't present on at the developer level as REST APIs necessarily. Like, you still need that connectivity. So, at some point, it's just like the main things you want to try to get around are the the massive upfront sort of npm yeah. installs. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because so, if 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 the if the Wi-Fi goes down, you're toast anyway because you can't load the product or 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 get access to the samples or anything like that. So, um, it stops being that stops being the obstacle and it's more just how do you make the connection between the two, two instances. But, um, yeah, GitHub code spaces. I'm, I'm definitely interested in checking out more on that one, especially from that perspective. Um, I was also evaluating, um, cause we have, and I think we've talked about it before on the, on this one, um, briefly about, um, there's, a um, an organization I work with called we connect the dots where it's, a um, about giving, um, yeah young young people access to to technology and and we there's codathons and there's various other events that they put on and we're in the middle of evaluating again this year is like well not all of the students will have access to a macbook um, not all of them will have access to even a windows pc um, what are they coding on and um is you know you know code spaces or like replit which has really um, gone uh, gone to the next level since the last time I had looked at them. Um, there's also Code Sandbox and some of these other ones. But like I even noticed with Repl.it, um, as I was experimenting with it, you could do npm installs. So you've you've got like a little virtual machine sitting there where you could set up some of the stuff. Not maybe as quite as like full VS Code, um, but still p- uh, potentially an option, especially if you're looking um, uh, for something that uh, is free. Um, so there's there's some of those that I've definitely been been looking at to figure out what can we do for students who are sitting on, like a, a Chromebook, where you just don't have a great local development environment uh, uh, to to set up with.
1: That's a really good call out. I I'm about I I sense that I'm about to get in the era of my life where uh, Chromebooks are something that I won't be able to avoid as a, as a going <laughs> concern, <laughs> because, uh, actually just before we, uh, met up to start recording and, today, uh, this week, uh, starts the school year in, uh, in New York anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> people in other States may be like, Hey, uh, my kids have been in school for a month. Uh, but yeah, New York, uh, it still starts after labor day. And uh, so I'm going through the whole thing about all right this year what what will the whole slew of apps that this particular class uses what will they be and how do I log in and create accounts and all of that kind of thing and um, one of the things that uh, we're going to be using now that my daughter's starting first grade is uh, Google Classroom. Oh, and fun I, times! Yeah, I don't know if her school does like um, Chromebooks at some level. I know that they were doing iPads in kindergarten. Uh, But at some point, my guess is uh, it's probably going to happen and uh, it'll be kind of fun to see like that collision of things that like workarounds (laughs) that we've had to do to (laughs) enable developers at work, (laughs) then actually work out well for uh, when my daughter wants to tinker with something which, you know, she's been getting more and more into, uh, like will a Chromebook Limit her, and mm-hmm. maybe with code spaces, like there's a nice workaround. Workaround, or, yeah. yeah, or Repl.it. I keep forgetting to mention Repl.it, but like, yeah, they've uh, definitely gone on steroids they, in the last <laughs> couple of years. They so have I, up their game. Yeah, I yeah. Need to play around. I think
0: that's, and I think that's interesting too, um, because like um, my my nephews, um, as they've been going through school and they've needed laptops, we've just gotten them, you know, Chromebooks individually. So you own, you have full control over that machine. You could imagine a world where uh, I know there's a ways to install Linux on a Chromebook and get a development environment. They've never needed it. And um, uh, so Chromebooks have served them just fine. But if you're getting it from a school or from a company or what have you, you odds are you're not going to be able to put Linux on there to install uh, VS Code on it locally and set up a local development environment. So having some way to work around that um, and since Code Spaces or Replit works in the browser, um, that seems like a nice, easy way to to do that.
1: Yeah, that's a. I is there a world where people are being issued Chromebooks for work? Like, I, I, that's a new concept for me. But maybe that's a thing, and I just don't know Who, about it. Well,
0: I don't know, but I could imagine. I mean, there are some really nice Chromebooks out there. Um, I, I would hope it's not like the the El Cheapo two hundred dollar Chromebooks that um are going to be lucky to last a year. But um, there are some really high quality Chromebooks that have even tempted me occasionally, and then it's like, nope. I'm firmly stuck in the Apple ecosystem. It would hurt too much to try and move everything around.
1: <laughs> yeah, Oh, it's interesting. I mean, clearly I have a certain opinion about these things, but I have not actually uh, tried them before. So maybe they're better than I'm giving them credit for. And it certainly sounds like there's a wide range of offerings there that I also was not aware of. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, for me, like I think I'd be, you know, after if I were, Moving off of Apple to do anything, I'm pretty sure it'd be right into some flavor of Linux. Oh
0: yes, yes. I've I've had enough. I I for the longest time I would have been a pure Windows um uh, uh person, but I don't know. Ever since um I, I still think like um probably my favorite Windows was probably back in Windows 2000 or something like that. Um, but um the latest stuff that uh, that Windows has been doing, I have a Windows 11 license. I barely use it. I prefer Mac OS but i I don't mind Linux environments either so that would probably be um, my direction too um, but some there's been a couple times where the Chrome's, Chromebook hardware has been like ooh that's interesting of course it comes those are also significantly more expensive so you have to weigh the balance is it worth getting an expensive Chromebook or is it worth getting like a macbook m2 um, but um, so ever since the new arm chips it's it's not been quite as appealing to me but there's there is a lot of variety. The the machines we were able to get for our, my nephews were not the ones that were just going to fall apart in a year. They were mid-range priced and so they they're still chugging along using them for school and everything and and that has worked out well.
1: Oh, that's really cool. Well, okay, I guess my uh my my eyes have been opened to the potential <laughs> that is uh this uh this notion of Chromebook. So, I'm always happy to try a thing especially if I've just been kind of passively assuming that it's not worth thinking about, Um, that's always a dangerous place to be. So I'll I'll check it out. By the way, uh, totally, uh, this is definitely just following a certain thread of this conversation. Um, But I just listened the other day, like while I was on vacation in Kyoto, um, like (laughs) of all things, I was like, I'm going to listen to this episode of the Verge cast. I've been meaning to, I don't know. I guess it came out, it looks like it came out on August 23rd, but I, I wanted to have a listen to it and uh it's called myth mythical computers and super apps is the name of the podcast episode so um i will throw a link into once I- i'll find like a canonical link for it but um uh, and and put it in the show notes but either way uh super apps yeah i don't i don't find that particularly compelling but the mythical computer thing i was like what is that yes uh, That sounds fun. Uh, and it turns out that mythical computers is like a, uh, like a, a, a one person, uh, computer making shop somewhere near LA. Uh, now I'm showing my listening skills here. Uh, but like, I think, (laughs) I think it was in LA somewhere (laughs) anyways, like he, he, he's making them, he's making computers out of wood and then like, yeah, it's, and then like puts a screen on and like the idea is that, uh, to use basically like you, you can use what might be considered slightly outdated processors, but they're like crazy good at tasks that you like simple tasks. And so how do you like create a machine that is dedicated to a specific task and is probably over for, I mean, take an Intel like i7, for example, <laughs> and then like you want to do a bunch of like command line stuff on that, <laughs> like, you know, in a, in yeah, a Linux well setup. Overpowered. Like, yeah, well overpowered, right? So like you can anyways like that that's really cool right is to kind of like kind of use the the there's got to be a term for this but sort of like the not the bleeding edge but the the other edge whatever that mm-hmm. one is
0: well <laughs> the, i still yeah i think it's impressive like i've seen a few um examples on and this this perhaps leads into our next next um, topic of of information sources and and where we how we stay up to date on things um, but, um, I was browsing on, um, YouTube, um, a couple of days ago and YouTube, um, their feet, their, their algorithm is really interesting. Sometimes it has me pegged. Sometimes it's like, why in the world are you showing me this? Um, and I thought, but I thought it was really interesting. It, it popped up of, um, a couple of different people who were still, who were trying to push like this. The um, not bleeding edge, and probably not even the you know the edge before that, but like the trailing edge, you know, still sitting back on old eight-bit processors, because there's still a world where like six five zero twos and eighty eighties and things like that still have a have a work place in the world in terms of like microcontrollers and and robotics and things like that. And um, they were trying to get um, build a version of Minecraft that would run on a TI, I think it was a TI eighty three. Something along those lines, which is the, the processor is ancient, but the ingenuity required to actually make that work and make it work reasonably well. And then YouTube gave me another one um, where they were trying to do it on a six five zero two machine, and um, all of the ingenuity and the innovation and the thought process that they had to go through to make something that would still be playable or still useful, um, which that fascinates me. And I and there was um, I just saw on Hacker News. Uh, I think it was today. I'll have to see if I can find the link. Um, A link of hacking um, a watch um, that used um, a little microprocessor um, had a USB thing in it. You could write some C++ for it. It was designed like the battery should last like three years. You know, none of this like your Apple Watch dies in a day or what have you. Um, But they 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 don't make them anymore. So it's like, oh, but that would have been so much fun to play with. Um, So there's always this like um, like repurposing, reusing, um, and kind of um finding um ways to use this older technology because it's not bad technology it's it's definitely useful for certain tasks and i and i i love that that is still alive is that we're still going back to some of those older pieces of hardware and finding interesting ways to use them
1: oh for sure well uh man that that's like really exciting the whole watch thing like
0: I, I'll have to find a link to it and, and put it in the show notes because it, it looked really fun.
1: Yeah, I almost don't want to know about it if it, I can't have it anymore. But it would be cool to like ha- think about like what, what would be possible for the mere mortal like cobbling together a few things and, and making their own <laughs> little wearable. It hey, was b- so fun. By the way, okay, so <laughs> I'm pushing back our main topic one more time uh, <laughs> because uh, this is this may not be in, I, as a matter of fact, I'm quite certain it's not like square on the nose of like using older technology. Um, exactly. But, uh, you, I don't know if you saw that like Atari just re-released the 2600. So they have this thing called the 2600 <laughs> plus, and it literally will play cartridges from the seventies. Like you can plug it in, but oh, they are also that like is awesome. reissuing cartridges as well. So, um, I went ahead and pre-ordered mine because, uh, I'm I don't know why I actually I no, do that's know that's awesome I've been holding off on uh, going the eBay route for looking at getting a 2600 for probably five years I remember having this conversation and I was like here here's what here's what I want to do I'm going to find a corner of uh, my apartment I'm gonna get like one of those old furniture tvs you know (laughs) where everything was made out of wood
0: the zeniths oh i i know those were wonderful
1: (laughs) right and you could like if you got close enough to it you'd literally see the the red blue green in the pixels and uh then i'm gonna put a 2600 on it and uh that's just gonna be like my my zen time and, uh, that got shot down by the powers that be, <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> but, but having a modern and probably wisely. So we, probably. I mean, we live in a New York apartment. Yes. So I could, um, we're like, and
0: those just... furniture TVs are not small. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: So it's not like we have like tons of space to spare. Uh, but yeah, so like having this sort of like modern take on, uh, a 2600 is cool. Cause I do have like a little, um, extra computer monitor that I use as a, a dumb TV, uh, for my Apple TV um, I could plug in the 2600 as well. So they
0: is nice like that, that they're doing a reissue and you can use that because if you had an old 2600, I've seen the bits of the bits, uh, stuff that I've seen on YouTube on how to connect an old 2600 or an old retro machine to a modern monitor um, and still have it be useful for gaming is um, you, you can start to spend a lot of money there.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you, I remember like even on the NES in the 80s, like you had to have like this weird sort of like, um, well, I, at least we did. Like we had yep. like this uh, RF great, switcher. What's it called an, an RF switch? Yes. yes. Wow. That's a name That's I reaching not heard way back. <laughs> in a long time.
0: <laughs> Burned into my memory.
1: Wow. Okay. So uh, we did really good at avoiding the top, the main topic of the day for quite a while. <laughs> Uh, although although you I think like it's kind of fun because like sprinkled into this like um kind of elongated intro were various mentions of things that we kind of go back to when we're kind of just trying to keep informed um, about what's going on in the world but at least from my take on this is particularly in tech um, although we can expand the definition of it um so my guess is that, you and I have listed more things than we can uh, possibly get to. So I wonder if we do like kind of just a volley back and forth of like, um, we have so much overlap uh, in terms of the things that we look at. Uh, and for obvious reasons, uh, I think, uh, just given our jobs and our, our interests. Uh, so maybe we can just kind of go back and forth on like, you grab one, I'll grab one. And we, we can kind of both, kind of talk about it but whoever grabs it can kind of like do just general intro maybe talk about things like um you know how often do we look at it like where did we event how long have we been reading it like or watching it and that kind of thing and where did we find it that kind of stuff
0: yeah i think that would be great
1: do you want to go first
0: uh sure um so i think um probably (laughs) (laughs) this is probably the most um uh obvious obvious one given the, the conversation we've already we, we've already been having um so hacker news um hack, uh, is definitely one that i am visiting um have been visiting for a very long time um Visit multiple times a day just because of that dopamine hit of ooh, what's new and interesting in the world um, of tech and and various other aspects. Um, so I'm always looking on it. Um, this is where, for example, the the watch article um, I saw got posted. Um, this is uh, I, I love the fact that you have um, this this broad range. Like it's not just the latest in tech or or the newest machine that's coming out on the market. There's everything that surrounds it, even. Um, potentially, um, maybe it takes a few steps to realize how it ties into the world of tech. Um, but it also does things in terms of retro, um, and, and, um, other things around science and, and things like that as well. So I am using Hacker News constantly. Um, it's every day, it's multiple times a day, just, just saying, Oh, what, what kind of new, interesting thing is up there? Um, and finding all sorts of really interesting, um, articles, um, either about some new stuff about AI, like there's all sorts of stuff about AI if you want to find stuff on there, um, but also things about, um, you know, coding and scripting and retro machines like uh, uh, hacking this. Uh, the watch is, was a Timex m eighty eight five one, and so the article is named Hacking the Timex m- M851. Um, so I, I enjoy reading it, um, especially for the content that gets linked. There's there's often good conversations. There's also because it is a conversational site, um, you have your your the 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 normal warnings about being an internet forum um and conversations there, but um the content and, and getting a lot of the articles and links, like it there's a lot of variety there, which I really enjoy using.
1: Oh yeah, I'm a, a many times a day reader myself. Uh, these days, if like folks who work with me will know that I'm kind of constantly filtering out things that I feel like are relevant in some ways, sometimes tangentially so, and sharing those on our internal Slack. Um, I don't know if you have like an interface that you prefer for Hacker News. Mm. Uh, I tend to use this one that we'll put in the show notes. Uh, it's just uh. H C K R news.com.
0: Same one.
1: (laughs) Uh, Okay, cool. And I I love this thing. The only thing I just wish they would update it with is like a a dark mode because it otherwise is painful to read at night. Um, It burns
0: your eyeballs a little.
1: (laughs) It really does. Uh, Silly complaint, but honestly like dark mode on an, on an OLED iPhone screen. um, That's just that many pixels that are not on. Uh, And so whereas otherwise you have this white background, it's basically like early flashlight apps for the iPhone. Oh, yes.
0: Oh, I remember those. Oh, man, that's a blast from the past. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. But and and in fact, I don't even um, for a while I looked around for like, um, is there a Hacker News client? And there's tons of them for like mobile devices. And I've given up on those because. Um, the, the one thing that I like about, I mean, Hacker News in general, but also hckrnews.com is it's, it, it loads fast, it's lightweight. Um, it's kind of like the web of the past, but, um, it also works great on Safari and on the mobile browsers. And so that is my Hacker News client, even on a mobile device is it's just a bookmark and I go straight there.
1: Well, cool. Um, so much to be said about Hacker News that we could easily kill a whole episode on that, but I won't, um, yeah, but I I think you know there there's an article on uh, New York Times that's probably worth digging up about like one of the moderators or the moderator of Hacker News. I think he just goes by Dang D A N G, uh, and that I, I don't understand exactly like how how a site like this can basically have like one person <laughs> moderating the whole thing. But then again, that's probably why New York Times wrote a story about it. But like just even right now, like if you filter down to like top fifty percent. Um, As of literally live, um, there's an article that says Svelte is surprisingly easy to learn. Like that's the title. But not that long before, I believe it was something like no no need to learn air quotes Svelte. JavaScript is the way to go. So I don't know what happened here exactly. But somebody came in and was like, you can't editorialize the title. And it it changed before we started recording until now. So (laughs)
0: yes and i do like that is like where it's very much the the title generally matches what the article had although sometimes of course then the article is editorial editorializing i can't say that word editorializing their own content or occasionally flips around like oh the article title says this but you read the article and it's like no it doesn't (laughs) Mm -hmm. but there's only so much you can do there but i do appreciate that aspect of hacker news
1: yeah 100 percent. so uh one where it's a little more, I'll, I'll take the next one. And this is one where it's a little more, uh, well, much more wild west, which is, is Reddit. And, uh, to a lesser extent on the wild west front, Reddit likes, uh, so on the Reddit front, I have to say, like, I I really didn't use Reddit much until the last few years. And even now I'm still, you know, in that 80% that's just lurking. Um, but I, I do like to jump in and, and like kind of read up on some things. I wish I had off the top of my head, some interesting subreddits to look at. Um, but since I'm using my phone as the camera (laughs) for this podcast, I can't grab my phone and look at them. So, uh, anyways, like I think that there are some like really good ones there. Um, and before, before I jump into the Reddit likes that might also be interesting for folks, uh, do you have off the top of your head, Gary, like any interesting ones? Uh I know I called out like last time-ish on the podcast. There's a subreddit R Local Llama. That's a good one if you're interested in having like local uh large language models running uh on your machine. So I know that's a good one to follow. And there's got to be more that I look at like literally every day several times and I'm just blanking.
0: Yeah, well, there there were several that I looked at. I, I'll be honest. Wh- uh, when I when Apollo was no longer the Reddit client of choice, I have moved on to the Reddit likes uh, um, because uh, I, I much prefer I, I don't use Reddit through through a browser very often, unlike Hacker News, like I go to Hacker News through the browser all the time. Reddit, I always reserve for a client. Um, and, um, when Apollo went away, I was very sad. Um, but, um, our technology was a big one that I would always be sitting in. Um, that one had, um, a lot of interesting content in it. Um, there was also a few in there, um, where, um, cause Reddit was nice and large enough and had huge communities around like the specific technologies I was interested in. So I would, Um, There was a, there's a few around JavaScript and I think r slash JavaScript was one that I would be in constantly um, just to see what was coming up in, in that world. Um, And so things like that, there was um, really nice communities around some of the retro stuff as well. Um, And then a few that were specific to um, like gaming. So I would be in on the, like the r slash Xbox or the Um, like Steam Deck had one in there, which was amazing to be part of because you could always like, everyone was sharing their tips around how in the world do you make your, you know, get this game running well or using it in interesting ways that you wouldn't have thought you might use a Steam Deck for since it is a full computer. Um, And so I would always be be in on on those as well. Um, I'm not on Reddit as much these days anymore. I mean, if it comes across a Google search, I'll, I'll hop in, but I have since moved over to Lemmy um, and so similar kinds of technologies, ones there, there's a, instead of R slash technology, they use C, um, for, I guess, community maybe. Um, and so I'm on, I, I browse the, the C slash technology one quite frequently, um, not nearly as large of a community, but still, still decent enough where you can still get some interesting, um, uh, news items out of that.
1: Oh, this is cool. So, Lemmy is a new one on me, uh, but it will go on my list. I basically have like some a, a collection of tabs that I use to, so I don't have to remember all these like where to go to look at what kind of thing. Like I just pop it open and uh, you know, uh, what's I'm not sure what the Safari feature is called it's called like groups or something. Oh yes, yes, whatever that is. Yeah, I that the total different topic but i find that feature like both helpful and terrifying cuz sometimes like i don't know exactly like what the repercussions of my actions will be like if i close a tab I did know. i just like delete it from the collection or did it, how how does that work and so uh i
0: or what's neither... worse is when it loses part of your group that that's why I stopped using groups.
1: Yeah. So I don't neither know. Neither here nor there, but <laughs> yeah, it looks weird. Cause like Chrome has something like that now. And I, I had some collections that I'd put in there and they just suddenly all disappeared recently. Now the only, the only place I actually use Chrome heavily is at work because it's required that we use Chrome. Um, And it's, that's taken some getting used to for me to be quite honest, (laughs) but I'm not sure if it was, I, was I like it managed out of having my collections in Chrome or was it a botched update or was it just like Chrome forgets these things? But now I'm like, where do I put this stuff? And, Mm -hmm. uh, I might have a answer for that later on. We'll see if we get to it. But, um, anyways, uh, cool. So let me adding it to my theoretical list of things. Uh, The other two that I like to look at, one is an actual Reddit-like, and the other one I'm realizing might be more of an HN Hacker News-like, but anyways, uh, Tildes, uh, apparently created by someone who used to work at Reddit, if I remember correctly, uh, and there instead of, let's see, yeah, so so you mentioned like on Lemmy, they use the C instead of the R for subreddits or whatever they call them on till days they use till days
0: oh that's cute
1: <laughs> yeah so you can go to like till slash music and uh you get all your music stuff etc uh, etc cetera, et cetera. so I, I found i'm not like super deep into this one and i believe that joining is invite only for the foreseeable future um but that's fine uh as someone who spends a lot of time more way more time reading <laughs> i'm a lurker than- <laughs> Yeah, I like I I like the lurking and uh, I use that information to put elsewhere. But yeah, so that's one worth checking out for sure. Uh, And it seems like something that the uh, creator is committed to um, for the long haul on that. Another one that I know a little less about, and I think this one's more now that I look at it closer to Hacker News than it is to uh, Reddit, but it's called Lobsters. (laughs) Uh, Let me put the URL in. It's Lobster. It's (laughs) (laughs) dot lobst.rs. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Take the word lobster and then put a period in uh, in between the E and the R. Uh, and now you got yourself a nice sort of uh, leap code thing that you can do in an interview, I guess. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the first one that you do. Like. Anyways, yes. uh, this one's worth checking out, too. I'm, I don't know like what their uh, whole sort of community policy is, but it seems like it's a lot more, um, shall we say tightened tightened up than maybe Hacker News is. So I'm not More sure what I'm trying to
0: to technology, it seems.
1: Yeah. So for example, you can see like they have a user tree. If you go to their about page, it says like the full user tree is public and each user's profile shows who invited them. So oh, that's right. This is one of those things where you need to know somebody on it to get invited. Um, Although I've added myself as a lurker, uh, if anyone ever happens to stumble upon this, this is something I'd actually like to join. I think for me, like where I enjoy uh, interacting on online communities is when it is a bit more focused on a certain um, very niche thing or a tighter community when it's sort of like anyone can jump in and like comment, like you're never going to find me, for example, commenting on YouTube. Like I don't, that's an interesting thing well, in my never mind. Never mind that the
0: YouTube comments are horrible anyway. <laughs> Avoid <laughs> yeah, the sure. YouTube comments at but all costs. Th- th-
1: that's why though, right? Like right? literally anybody can come in and like do the digital grunt and be like oh this sucks or just like downvote it or whatever, but like I me as a, another random user on YouTube, like what is that? I I I don't know the quality of that comment or, you know, anything else and So anyways, like uh I don't know. This seems like it would be more fun to participate in uh, as, as would uh, till days for that matter. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I use lobsters quite a bit as well. Um, I like that it's a little bit more tightly focused. Um, It doesn't have quite the amount of like, if you're looking at it to, to, to see the comments or what have you, like it doesn't, there's often like articles where there's just no comments on it, but that doesn't necessarily mean the content is, or the link isn't great. Um, So it's not maybe as highly active in that regard, but if you're coming to it for, Interesting things. Um, the the one thing that I I kind of actually enjoy, and, and I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing, um, but hacker news often moves very quickly, and so things will quickly fall off the front page, and then it's like easy for me to forget. Um, but um, Lobster's moves seems to move a little bit more slowly, and so quite frequently I'll find I can come here, and it's like oh, there they might have been talking about something similar. Um, but it's still sitting up like immediately accessible on the front page because it hasn't moved along, uh, um, as quickly as hacker news has, has moved, um, which is an aspect that I enjoy, but, um, they, there's definitely, um, a little bit more specific around computing that I, that I enjoy. And, um, so there, I won't say that I visit them every day, but, um, several times a week is I am on lobsters.
1: In some ways I found that like lobsters, can be like an interesting filter on what you find in Hacker Mm -hmm. News. Yeah. So suddenly, like the fact that something's been floating on lobsters for a little bit is higher signal that like uh, maybe this is something that's worth poking into a Mm -hmm. little bit more.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: So there'll be things that I might have skipped over on Hacker News, but if I've seen them floating around on lobsters for a little bit, then now I'm like, all right, I'll I'll go take a peek uh, if it's of relative interest to me at all. Mm hmm. Cool. So it might seem like we've only done two of our information (laughs) sources, but one of them had three under the hood in addition. So we kind (laughs) of just covered uh, five. Uh, But uh, Carrie, it's your chance to pick something from the list. What will be next?
0: Yeah. So the next one um, is one that I will frequently use um, and it's called Product Hunt. Um, partly because um, this this isn't so much necessarily like about like the technologies being used, although occasionally it does pop up here. But I'm very much interested in in what's going on that of, of products that are being shipped, technology products specifically. So this is um, a useful site um, to to just have a pulse on um, new and interesting things that people are developing. Of course, like um, there's a lot of um, where. It, you know, there's big companies on here, there's smaller companies, there's, there's, um, things around, um, certain types of products and their, their extensibility side. So, uh, like you'll often find a lot of things for notion or other kinds of tools on here. There's a lot of AI tools on product um, these days as well, but it's really just interesting to to go through, see what's kind of brewing out there, get a sense of the pulse of what kind of products are being built. What's, what looks interesting. And what might be interesting for you to delve into yourself. So there's been a few times where there's been a product that pops up there where it's like, oh, I should go try that and play with it and see if that's something I should integrate into, into my, my um, daily workflow. Um, or is there something in terms of um, like a, a, a trend that's appearing of, you know, that I need to be aware of like, like AI and all of the stuff that we've been doing recently with um, not just like text images, but, but language models and, um, coding, you know, uh, co-pilot and all of these kinds of things. Um, and just getting a sense of where the industry and the, the, the technology ecosystem is going. Um, so just today, um, there's a few, few on here. I always love their headers. Um, so they, they, they get a little bit cute right now. It says meowy Monday. Um, cause we're, yeah. we're recording this on a Monday, which I, I love. Um, and there's a few on here. Um, there's one about AI music covers with your favorite artists. Um, I would, th- this one has me itching to, to play around and, and see what this is actually like. Um, another one about, um, generating text and converting it into human-like speech, um, an AI note taker. So that there's a lot of
1: bold, uh, in their <laughs> choice <laughs> <Right>? of icon. <laughs> right.
0: Um, it's very notion-like, um, yeah, so yeah Okay um and so there's a lot of ai at the top um but then there's some things down here down near the bu- uh, as you scroll down tiny web editor the simplest web editor for an html html template play js is a play uh, javascript web and i'm curious now cuz they say with superpowers so i'm going to have to go what? check that one out uh, what superpowers are they talking about Um, And then even down further, there's a color palette generator. Um, So there's a lot of variety here. um, But it's just it's a really fun little site to go to and and get a sense of um, trends, um, interesting things that you might just might not always hear about on a regular basis. Um, You might uh, occasionally find a tool that you need to incorporate want to incorporate into your workflow and whatnot. So I'm a, I'm, I am won't say that I'm on here all the time. It's probably what, maybe a once a week thing just to browse through the, the, the last few days of what's going on. Um, but it is very definitely an interesting um, way to keep the pulse on the kinds of technology products that are that are getting put out there.
1: Okay, this is interesting. I mean, I, I've been meaning to start looking at this more often. <laughs> Uh, on a, forever. Uh, and I just always forget about it until uh, the, the, the time that it really turns into something that I'm on is always when I'm working on a developer platform and developers who are integrating against those APIs are launching something. And then you mm-hmm. want to go in and support that and help yep. make some noise. So for me, like, it's not that I ever spend a ton of time away from Product Hunt, but generally when I'm there, it's more because like, oh, hey, the developer kind of got started on something three months ago with our APIs. Ah, they're shipping. And of course we want to celebrate that with them. Yes. That's a, so it's interesting because when you mentioned this, it made me think of another uh, uh, community and info source that I wanted to, uh, Mm. I I would almost, I would almost say like if Product Hunt is the front end, like, hey, we're launching a thing. And here it is, and we wanna get users and in feedback. Indie hackers is almost like the back end. Mm. Um, and and I don't know if everyone would agree with that characterization, but I, I think it's in my mind of that's how I've always thought about the two. So the one that I would talk about next is indie hackers. Uh indie hackers has been around uh, indiehackers.com. It's been around for a good number of years now. I wanna say like uh, I first became aware of it maybe 2016, 2017 type uh time frame. And it was interesting because the person who started this, I think his name is, uh, if I, I say it right, Cortland Allen, um, he used to do this thing where he would like literally on the blog post his financials for indie hackers like every month. And so it was like true sort of like working in the open. And then at some point um, it got acquired by now I'm, I, I'm just making stuff up. I, I feel like it was Intuit, but I I might be wrong or Stripe or something um not that those are the same thing but
0: uh (laughs) very different
1: i I don't know why but i it's one of those i believe and then at Uh some point um they uh they sold it back to him or something i haven't caught up with all the details under the hood but either way that's all inside baseball the reality is like what people use indie hackers for is a way to kind of talk about how they're um you know going from things like ideation to building something out to testing with users and oh well here's my results with like seo or uh you know putting ads out so like you can look today like and some of the top sort of things that people are talking about is like uh what like a case study in ai uh, business validator makes 8k a month in profit for five months and those kind of things so like these are meant to be like the smaller um, at least in the beginning, like this the smaller sort of like, oh, not necessarily trying to raise funds or something like that, but people just like trying to build stuff and, and see what works and get customers and uh, maybe build a smaller business around tech. Uh, you know, so I, I think this is a really cool one. Uh, one of the other ones down here, by the way, is uh, that's being discussed today is just a title of roast my landing page. So when I say that, like you can almost consider indie hackers like the back end to product hunt. Like it's because like the, the the making of the things in a lot of ways is happening on indie hackers, and then like when people want to go to market now they're on product hunt. So uh, for me, this is a fun one to read. I'd say that like uh, maybe every day or two I'm I'm on this. Uh, I, the volume of people uh, putting updates is is not like insanely. Uh, fast, which is a good thing in my mind. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a good thing to jump into and just kind of test the pulse of people who are doing the real building, if you will.
0: I love it. Um, This is one that's new to me. So I'm going to add this to my list. Um, Because this looks amazing to, to dig into and, and watch like, but it does very much seem like it's like the, the the precursor to what you would before you would land on a product hunt and that roast my landing page. That's that's it's hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, you got to love it. And I mean, like it takes a lot of, uh, I'd say like uh, bravery, if you will, to like oh, yes. be in a community like this. And uh, I think people are generally nice from everything I've seen. Like this is like a kind of there's a, a tone to this where people aren't like flaming each other or mm-hmm. anything like that, that you might find and say a Reddit or occasionally yeah. hacker news threats. This isn't that this is like people excited about each other kind of building things and sharing information. So uh, highly recommend. Uh, probably one of the things that, uh, I don't know, just gets me excited sometimes to see people like finding success in, in interesting ways.
0: Yeah, um, you, this is I'm, I am glad you you thought to bring this one up because this is good. This is getting added to my list. So um,
1: um, speaking of lists, I think we have time for a quick uh, one each after this. Yes. So um what do you got as as your as your last sort of pick uh, for today?
0: Well, I'm I'm going to uh, go off the beaten path of our reading list and um, I will uh, go into a little bit of YouTube. So as much as I say, avoid the YouTube comments and and totally agree, <laughs> I don't participate <laughs> with YouTube comments. Um, I do use YouTube um, quite a bit um, enough to actually pay for it because I can't stand the ads. Um, so I pay for YouTube. Um, but, um, there's, uh, a lot of really interesting technology content on there. Um, and I thought I would just point out one of the latest ones that I'm really, um, uh, kind of digging, um, doesn't have anything to do with, um, like building technology, but it does have to do with, um, kind of hacking your workspace and making your workspace, um, easy to use. And, and I like the fact that there's like, immediately within the first couple of videos that I started watching, there's, um, interesting ideas, number one, but, but little bits of tech and, and hacks that I hadn't even thought about that. It's like, okay, I should maybe consider incorporating some of that. Um, and so this is, um, a little channel on, uh, YouTube called work from hype. Um, and there's, um, the, the production quality is really good. Um, it's, uh, the narrative, the content, the video, all of the audio production, all of that's really, really, really top notch. Um, and it's about um, this guy who's uh, describing how he is making his workspace and making it work for his for what he does. Um, the, the one I just um, uh, I watched a couple of them. One was some of his disappointments in some tech that he had purchased and not because it was bad tech. Um, it was just because it didn't match his workflow. It didn't match what he actually needed to do. And, and sometimes there was, there were better ways, um, to accomplish what he needed. But the other one was how he was creating a system for, um, change, making it possible for him to quickly and easily change out his workspace. Because, um, I don't know about you, Ash, but, there's lots of things that I do with my, my workspace and it's not always just writing code. Like I might have something around music. I might have something around like we're doing the the, the podcast right now. There's various other bits. And so like um, right now I have this mess of wires. I think we've discussed in the past how, yeah. how I'm the messy <laughs> wire one. Um, and, but he had an interesting solution, which was um, these interchangeable, um, uh, little racks where you could, um, put in, um, put your, uh, like for, for a task. So he would have a task, a, a rack for music production. He'd have a rack for a podcast. He'd have a rack for, um, uh, for video editing. And you would have your little piece of tech, um, like maybe a stream deck or a macro pad or a MIDI keyboard on this little rack. And what he used was actually, um, a little rack for a guitar pedal, uh, for, um, where you have multiple guitar pedals on it. Yep. And you would just like it's it's already set up for a wire for managing your wires. All he has he has a little U, um USB thing underneath it uh, to connect to your devices with one cable. And then you just have a rack system and you can switch those in and out and it's like, "Okay, this is interesting." I could get on board with this because right now, like both my desks are like, okay, if I need to switch tasks, I'm rearranging everything manually and everything's in the way and you you unplug this and plug that in. Um, And so that was just like one video where it's like there's a there's a plethora of ideas coming out of that. So less so about like, um, you know, how do we find how how are we finding some new, new technology news? But how do I work more efficiently? And so that's one that I'm uh, i I am going to binge like literally all of the content uh on that one it's i I think there's like 13 or fourteen videos so far like i mean it's it's an active channel um but it it doesn't seem it maybe been around for the last year year and a half or so um but it's it's really good interesting stuff so I think that's my 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 pick for um a way to hopefully improve my technology efficiency.
1: <laughs> this is probably the the worst piece of information i've received today because it's going i <laughs> in the best way possible because i'm gonna i i'd never heard of this until just now and it's like so up my alley i don't know how i like i i just searched for i didn't want to go straight to youtube and like because i was worried about autoplay and <laughs> right. what that was going to do to my audio so i just uh i uh, searched for work from hype. And the third thing that popped up in duck, duck go is an F stoppers article, which is a photography site. So I'm like, wait, what? And I look here and it says, uh, the title is the $60 monitor worth having on your desk. And I'm like, Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> ah, I don't even want to click. And then I clicked. And of course, like it looks really cool. Um, yes. yeah, I don't know. I didn't want to go too far down the rabbit hole while we we're talking here, but uh, yeah, this is definitely going to be like a whole new thing for me. So thank you. And also why, how could you carry, uh,
0: <laughs> well, I'm just forwarding on the gift that is the YouTube algorithm because I didn't know this existed until like Friday and all of a sudden it popped up in there and it's like, Ooh, this looks interesting. And now I have a rabbit hole to go down to.
1: <laughs> Excellent. Well, cool. I mean, we're, we're, potential rabbit holes to go down on YouTube for sure. Uh, so, uh, I'll definitely be checking this one out. Uh, The the last one for me is uh, is something I think you and I both read Uh, called Stratechery. Um, And I have to imagine that maybe people that would listen to a podcast like ours uh, would probably know about it. But I think it's a it's a good shout out. There's plenty of other things that I might have thought to mention. But I feel like just general interest in terms of like staying up to date on uh, different kind of fluctuations in the tech industry strategy, uh, and all that kind of stuff, uh, getting a chance to hear directly from interesting, um, kind of like, uh, thought leaders, uh, in, in that world or in our world is super interesting. So Stratechery, um, is one of those things that I, they do like a free article every week. Uh, but I don't know, for me, I've been a paying member for, I don't even know how many years at this point. Um, but uh, it's it's worth it for sure. Um, I got to listen to today, actually, when I, I went out for a run before we were recording and uh, I was listening to an episode. Uh, and while I pull it up real quick, uh, one of the cool things about Stratechery actually is that it's actually originally a blog, but uh couple years ago, if not more, uh, he's the author, uh, Ben Thompson started uh, recording each daily update as a short podcast that you get since it's a kind of like a paid subscription, you you get your own bespoke URL that you can plug into Overcast or whatever else you you use. Yeah. And so I actually find that I, I can stay more up to date if I can just like listen to it as opposed to read it, because like, chances are, this is going to be, it'll make an appearance on, uh, anytime I go out and run, for example. So like, just as an example today, I'm looking down here somewhere. Uh, the, he did an interview, uh, oh yeah, here it is. It's an interviewed with, uh, Daniel Gross and Nat Friedman about the AI hype cycle. So these are both folks that like he's had on, uh, multiple times over the last year. Uh, that you know, um, one was like the CEO of GitHub post acquisition. I'm going to flub exactly like what all of their bona fides are, but these are like people who are deeply in all this stuff and had something to do with putting together GitHub Copilot. So, anyways, it was a super interesting thing to listen to because uh, you know we're kind of at that point now where um, I don't know if you've noticed, but everybody's kind of like putting AI into their thing or wrapping up Chat GPT. And selling it as you know something in a pretty specific area, but we kind of know it's ChatGPT under the hood. So like, there's going to be a lot of that. But it was it was just interesting because like he the last time he had those two folks on uh, to interview them, honestly like was it six months ago something like that? Who knows time. But like at the time they were trying to figure out uh, like where are all the tech startups trying to do AI. And they had opened up their own like AI fund um, to try to encourage more uh, entrepreneurs in that area. Well, it's funny because like now they're on to talk about the AI hype cycle and how like there's so many people trying to do stuff in that area that like filtering through all the applications for the fund has become more, more difficult. And like, (laughs) that's probably a good thing. Right. I mean, but like at the same time, it, it was just interesting to hear their takes. And so um, but that's just like one example of how like Stratechery like always has finger on the pulse of like what's going on right now, and he's got like amazing access to all these really smart folks who are building really cool stuff. So um, Stratechery is worth uh, getting a subscription to if you don't have one, and then because you can it, it, as part of that too, he has a handful of other podcasts. There's like one on like a longer form version that's an actual podcast that's like I think it's called Sharp Tech it's relatively new. There's also one called Sharp China. I think these are all part of the same subscription. Um, They must be because I only have one subscription. And so he keeps like adding new podcasts to it. They're all super interesting to listen to. Um, I find the China one like incredibly interesting right now. Um, So not that I have a lot to do directly with China in any way, but uh, it's just such a big presence in the world yeah. uh, and especially in tech uh, that those topics like just hearing it straight from folks who are really plugged into that world uh, is just a, a nice stream of information that otherwise I'm I'm not even sure where I would get that stuff.
0: Yeah, I can't think of, uh, of very many places where I would where I'd be able to get that either. Um, but yeah, it looks like there's a there's a page on Stratechery.com. Um, I'm glad I heard you pronounce it because in my head I'm always pronouncing it, it, it a completely different way, and it sounds less uh, less tech and more like um, I don't know horror or tre- like uh, treachery is what, what what's come out. Treachery. It's like that's that's not what it's about. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, the, there's an about page like it has um, uh, talking about interviews with some with like public CEOs and founders. There's Dithering, which I guess is a twice weekly podcast. Um, sharp tech, which you mentioned, sharp China, um, and then greatest of all, talk um, about some other things, um, not necessarily always tech, but it looks um it looks definitely worth um, worth worth looking into because um, um, sometimes like I like you can be reading I mean, having access to a lot of visual content that you read. um but um like I listen to audio at night before I go off to bed and things like that where I'm not trying to to read a lot of content. Um, and so this is a this is a good way to get that kind of con- interesting technical content even without um, browsing down a web page.
1: Yeah, for sure, and it definitely gets into a lot more of the business side of things too. So, like you know, like the as we record the most recent blog post that I'm seeing—that's well, not true. It's not the most recent. This is funny. I, I don't go to the website at all because I just interact with it via the podcast <laughs> version. Uh, so I don't totally. Uh, I don't know the one from Monday, August 28th, uh, is titled Nvidia on the mountaintop. Mm-hmm. This is a really good one, but it comes with all these charts and graphs and stuff. And it's just like, you, you get more insight into the business side of things, which is yeah. like super useful for us, uh, tech folk, uh, I believe, uh, to, to kind of be exposed to that kind of stuff. So, uh, lots of good stuff to take in here. Yeah. By the way, the, uh, greatest of all talk thing that I totally forgot to mention is that that's a, I think that's all about basketball. Uh, which is why I forgot to mention it because, like, I, it's nice. I mean, at least it's clearly labeled. So I know that, like, okay, this right. is something <laughs> I don't need to get involved
0: with. You, your ear does not be, need to be primed to hear the word JavaScript or anything like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, we uh, we went through um, maybe more than I thought we might actually get through, if I'm honest. Like, it, it's definitely a subset of our our list of really good things to check out. So maybe there's another version of this podcast for mm-hmm. sometime down the road um but either way i think uh it's really cool to like be able to share these back and forth i picked up a thing or two here uh Same. whether it was like being reminded of product hunt to go check in on that occasionally or uh, like start uh looking at work from hype and obsessing about my desk <laughs> of even more than i already do Thank you.
0: Uh, You're welcome. Um, The the rabbit hole is is my gift to you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and a rabbit hole is always fun. But hey, uh, I'd rather be scripting.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of I'd Rather Be Scripting. If you love scripting, terminals, Z shell, JavaScript development, and other random technology tangents as much as we do, we'd love to hear from you. You can always leave a review on your preferred podcasting platform, or you can reach out to us via the social links on our website, idratherbescripting.com. Until next time, I'd rather be scripting.